Hey, Sheridan Hills, we are so glad that you've joined us. Welcome, welcome uh, to worship this morning. We are excited about uh, being able to share a worship time with you. Um, we know that all over the city uh, right now, people are clicking in and they are seeking to get online and to just join in to hear the word of God. Uh, this morning, we are going to be looking at this issue of God's peace amidst trouble. And so in the next few moments, we're going to sing about God's peace amidst trouble and remembering him and rejoicing in him. We're going to pray about God's peace amidst trouble. We're going to look at what God's word says about God's peace amidst trouble. And we're going to talk about the things that God is doing amidst this current trouble. So you're in the right place. We want to encourage you to stay online with us all the way through. Um, settle the kids down and uh, get the volume turned up. Um, for those of you who have never been with us before, just want to say that on our website at SheridanHills.org, you can download the sermon notes even right now, and you can look at them on your phone, or you can print them out and follow along. We're going to study one particular verse of Scripture um, that I think that you will find very, very encouraging. So welcome. Um, here we have uh, the staff of the church and some of their family members, so Pastor Jason and Kelly. Um, we have Alex Pinto Vidal and his wife Robin and her brother Parker, the Loudon family, and the Chipman family um, right here, uh, TJ and Anna, as well as Tommy and Christy, and Pastor Lucas is leading us on guitar. Marcy's not here this, this morning just because we're trying to keep her safe. She's a little bit higher risk because of her heart issues, and uh, so she is uh, not with us. But let me lead us in prayer, and uh, then we're going to begin and dive right into worship and dive right into God's Word. Father, this morning we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace poured out over us day after day after day. Father, we thank you for the joy of being able to meet together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Even if it's not exactly the way we would choose it, Father, we thank you that you've given us this technology and these moments. We pray, Father, that you would be glorified as your people gather around the truth, as we seek to long to be with one another. Father, use this worship in our lives. Use this in our children. Use this as we are experiencing the troubles and the difficulties of life. May we look to you and be encouraged. Now, Father, as we sing, I pray that you would help us to focus on the words we sing and their meaning. And Lord, would you be glorified as we come and remember you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him, hallelujah, thou burning sun with golden beams, thou silver moon with softer gleams, oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Creator bless and worship him in humbleness. Oh, 
my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. What a great privilege it is for us to just know his name. The Bible tells us his name. The Bible tells us all about who he is. And uh, as we're here today, we can't control the birds that are in the tree above the camera right now. We can probably hear them a little bit, but that's great. This is all glorifying to God, whether it's a people of a group of people singing, bless the Lord, O my soul, or whether it's all of creation doing that, we rejoice. And so uh, this morning as we come uh, together as a church, we want to look at God's Word. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to go ahead and take it and turn to John, John chapter 13. Um, I want to give a little bit of a background on the passage that we're going to turn to. So I'm going to give you just a minute to get there. And if you have an outline, you're going to need that. Um, we want to uh, look at God's Word. And uh, John 13, 14, 15, 16... Uh, that's kind of the, the context of what we're going to study. But we're going to look at just one verse in particular in just a moment. Um, the title of the message is God's Peace Amidst Coming Trouble. We see all around us, and not just during this present difficulty of coronavirus, we see around us that trouble comes to us pretty much all the time in a rolling fashion in a fallen world, there's trouble. We've often said in the life of our church, either you've just come out of trouble, you're in trouble, or guess what? It's on the way. And that is the nature of living in a fallen world. Um, there is trouble, there's difficulty. Now specifically, I believe it's true that in the next few weeks, uh, the virus is going to really get our attention even more. I believe it's possible that the, the death rate is going to go up. I believe that there's going to be news reports that are very concerning. Um, as we look at that, and as we hear all of society noticing that, and even beginning to anticipate that, I believe that God's Word has tremendous encouragement for his people at times like these. So, like last week, we looked at the right and wrong response to any crisis. This morning we want to look at a 2,000-year-old trouble that was coming upon the disciples and their Lord's instruction to them. 
And we want to see that for our own lives um, in context of life in general, but also in context of coronavirus. Now, if you're, if you're kind of new to us, if you're new to studying the Bible, you just there's something that we often say, and it's that you always need to know the background of a passage. We always need to remember the context. In fact, there's the danger of taking things out of context, and people do that all the time with the Bible. You can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say um, when it comes to um, your thoughts and your th- because it's comprehensive, it's big, it's a big document. But I believe that it's right for God's people to be very careful to look and see what he means by it and what he is saying by it. And so this morning we want to look at that. Okay, so let's turn in the scripture to, as we said, John 13, 14, 15. I want you to notice what this is. And on the outline, I've, I've made it kind of clear what the context of this is. In these chapters, 13 through 18, this is the night before Jesus goes to the cross, the night before the crucifixion of Christ. In fact, many of you will recognize that this was where we, sell, we see Jesus and his disciples celebrating the Last Supper, or it was Passover for them, but it was the Last Supper that, that we recognize through Christian history, that this was his last observance of that before he would go to the cross and fulfill the picture, the, figura, the figuration of Christ going to the cross as the Passover lamb, the one who would take away the sin of the world. Well, notice, remember with me how that whole start, that whole time, that evening starts, are in the upper room. Um, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20, Jesus begins by washing their feet. You remember, Peter didn't want him to wash their feet, but John, Peter, excuse me, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, if I can't wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And what did Peter say? Wash all of me, Lord. So, and that was, that was beautiful in Peter's zealous response. But Jesus takes the basin, takes the towel, washes the disciples' feet. Jesus reveals that one will betray him, and then Judas leaves. That happens kind of at the beginning. And then Jesus declares a new covenant. He says, love one another as I have loved you, the new commandment that I give to you. It's a new commandment. The new commandment that I give to you is to love one another. Look at the next one there. Jesus reveres, reveals that Peter is going to deny him. And uh, that, that's a very difficult moment for Peter. We can only imagine um, the surprise in Peter's mind and in his heart. But then we also see that Jesus goes into a rather long discourse, a few chapters long, of talking about some key things to them. And notice this. This is Jesus beginning to comfort them as he informs them of the coming days, the coming hours, days, and even the millennia that is to come. We see that Jesus is telling them the future. He's telling them about the trouble that is going to come, but also about his response and his presence in the midst of it. Notice this. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. The Holy Spirit is going to come. The disciples must stay and abide with him. That's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible is John chapter 15, where Jesus says to the disciples and he says to us, stay in me, stay with me, abide in me. 
be like the, the branch that stays connected to the vine. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You're going to bear much fruit if you stay with me. If you don't remain with me, you won't bear fruit. In fact, it'll reveal that you don't know me. So Jesus is going through very important instructions with them. He also warns them that the world is going to hate them. And so there's going to be the issue of persecution that comes upon them. He's also saying to them the Holy Spirit is going to be working. He's going to be working in all of the things that are going to come upon them. And then we see that their sorrow is going to come, but there's going to be joy to follow. And so Jesus' words at the Last Supper are incredibly important to us. They were important to the disciples then, and they are important to us now. I love the end of it, which is where our key verse is. Jesus assures his victor- that he is victorious over all things. Now, it is kind of interesting that in just a couple of weeks, what do we have coming up? In just a, that's right. We have Easter or Resurrection, um, the celebration of the resurrection of Christ. In fact, just two Sundays away, we have that. This passage is so timely for us not only as Christians in the general calendar, but as Christians in the general curse um, of corona. Um, it's, it, it applies really to both in a way. Notice here the significance of this passage is showing us this. First of all, this is Jesus' experience with the Father. We're, we're going to see that he is about to go into, he's about to go to, to the cross for the sins of the world, and he is describing his nearness to the Father and the Father's nearness to him. But we translate that and we step one step beyond that and we see how this is all of also about our experience with God. That just as Jesus and the Father are one, we are being called to be one with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I am with you. You are in me. I am in you. That's what we see in John 15. That's what we see in multiple other places, even through this discourse, that Jesus is showing us that our hope is in him and he is in us. So flip the page and let's look at this key verse that we want to see. In John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus says at the end of those statements, he said, I say these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's read that again. I want you to see it real carefully. Look at verse 33 at the top of the page. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I want you to see this morning the path to God's peace. The path to God's peace is found, first of all, by the words of God. Here's the beginning. By the words of God, we have the presence of God. You say, where do you get that from? Look at the first phrase. I have said these things to you. These are his words. Jesus is speaking words. He is telling truth. He is telling what's going to happen. He's telling them the things that are to come and how they are to respond and what he is going to do. So Jesus, by his words, 
is helping us come to know the presence of God. Um, you see, God cannot be separated from his words. So in John 14, 6, God, Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the picture that, that God's will and his purposes, this is who God is. He cannot be separated from that. That is his way. He is the truth. Well, how do you know truth? We know truth through words. Um, words are something that God has, has given us that we can understand who he is and what he wants and understand even ourselves. And so it is through the words of God that we come to know his presence, that we come to know who he is. Um, and it also says here, Jesus says, I am the life. And so he says, those who come to me, I give to them eternal life. This is true life, life that cannot be taken away. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me, that believes my words, believes what I have said, that I will be with him. He will be with me. And though he die, yet shall he live. So these are all aspects of how God's words, his truth, brings us into his presence. At times like this, we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that it's not the words of the world that will bring us into the presence of God. In fact, the words of the world will tend to take away, take us away from the presence of God. Christians need to recognize that it's truth that brings us close to God. It's when we hear the truth and when we respond to the truth, when we believe the truth, when we allow the truth to correct us, this is how we get close to God. Um, in fact, notice this. By his word, um, God does all things. All things are created by his word. This is ultimate power. Think about it with me. What does Genesis 1 and 2 say how he created the world? What does he say? What he said. He opened his mouth and he spoke. It doesn't say that he that he come and he, he picked up something because there was nothing to pick up and, and do. It says that he spoke and he created things out of nothing. Now, my friends, that is ultimate power, to be able to speak and things exist. There's no one else that can do that except God. If we create something, it's out of something. God creates out of nothing. This is the glorious ultimate power of God. We also see that by his word, all things are decreed. That means ultimate authority. So when God says, this is the way it is, and this is, this is the way things work, and this is who I am, this is by decree. This is what you're to do. That is ultimate authority. Um, he doesn't check with anyone else about what we think. Um, in the world, we're really big on democracy. We like leaders who embrace democracy and that kind of thing. You know, what do we all think? That's not the way of God. Um, the way of God is, he says, I live by my word. I am by my word. I, I exist by my word, and you exist by my word. And it's really not up for discussion. Look at the next part. His word, by his word, we believe and have faith. We believe and have faith. This is ultimately grace, that God speaks and gives us faith through the truth of his word. There's many places we could look at that. In Romans, it says that how shall they believe unless they what? Unless they hear. 
And how are they going to hear unless someone goes and tells, unless someone preaches? These are words. And so it is the words of God that bring us to him. Very key thing for us to see. Look at this. By his word, we are saved. So you hear the truth. You hear that there is a loving God who is holy, that we've sinned against him, that Christ came and died on the cross for our sins. And all who believe in that, believe in him and not themselves, they can be saved. Um, that, is, that is the promise of God. That's the decree of God. It's what he has willed. And then notice the last one there, that last bullet point. It's by his word that we are comforted. Um, his word comes and comforts us. Now, there's a conjunction of, we, we can say, word and spirit. And that would be a good thing to, to write there. It's not only his word, but it's his Holy Spirit that comes and causes us to understand his word. And for his Holy Spirit that comes and applies that personally and in many ways. Now, um, it's not in making up different meanings of what his word says, but it does result in different applications of his word to our lives. And so this is a critical thing when we have trouble on the way to us or when we find ourselves in the midst of trouble, we need to run to the words of God. It's the words of God that bring us into his presence. It's how we have a reference point on how and where and to who that we come. Look at the second one. And we see this also in this verse. In number two, so the first one is, by the words of God, we have the presence of God. Number two, by the presence of God, we have the peace of God. So his presence brings peace for his children. Now let me tell you, his presence does not bring peace for those who are not his children. His presence brings um, great terror who are not his children. But notice this with me. In verse two, or underneath number two, it says, that in me you may have peace. So let's look up at the top of the box again. Let's, let's start at the beginning of the verse. I have said these things to you, and here's the reason, so that, or that in me you may have peace. Now the beautiful thing is, is that the Lord wants us to have peace. That the Lord has told us these things so that we can have peace. And this is, this is a glorious truth of part of the reason that, God, I mean, I, here's a great example. Tommy, do you, have you ever wanted TJ and Anta, Anna to just be in turmoil and terror? No. You, you don't want that for them. You never want them to, you, you don't want them to suffer for the sake of suffering just to, to be vindictive against them or to be some type of masochistic um, tendency of, of just wanting to see someone suffer. Now, TJ, I know that it seemed like that at times <laughs> when you were growing up that just seemed like dad wanted you to suffer um, or that your mom wanted you to suffer. But a parent never, a loving parent, any sane parent never just wants their children to suffer for suffer's sake. If there's any suffering that you let TJ or Anna have, it was for a good purpose. Um, if you caused them to suffer, TJ, did you ever get a spanking? Oh, you got a spanking. Many? 
Okay, so you got many spankings, all right. So, but, but that suffering, you did inflict with a purpose, and that purpose was to bring about something good. It was to refine his understanding of himself, to refine his understanding of you, his, to refine his understanding of God, and to his understanding of what is right and what is wrong, training him in what is right. And so when we look at this, we see that God desires for us to have his peace. Ultimately, even in the hardship, it is his purpose that as last week when we were sharing, Christy said, well, part of the reason for sufferings like these times is to refine the faith of Christians and to call non-Christians to faith. So that's a, that's a major part of this. Look at the next part here. It says, for the redeemed, God's presence ultimately brings peace. For the redeemed, God's presence brings peace. I love Mark chapter 4, verse 38 um, through 40. Um, and it, it is the scene of Jesus in, in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. There's a great storm. Jesus is asleep in the midst of the storm. The disciples are, are fearing for their lives. And they're in terror. Again, with a purpose perhaps here. They're in terror and they, they are afraid. And they say, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus just gets up and he, the, the, the scripture, notice what it says. But Jesus was in the stern of the boat, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him and said, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Verse 39, Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and sea. Look what it says. Silence, he commanded. Be still. And the wind died down, and it was perfectly calm. And then Jesus said, why are you so afraid, he asked. Do you still have no faith? So it's a rhetorical question. It's a question helping us see that he is able, that he cares, and that he's involved with what's going on. And so Jesus didn't just say, okay, we're going on a little boat trip here across the Sea of Galilee. Um, I'm going to make it where it's perfectly calm or just nice gentle wind to get us to the other side. I believe he's the commander of the wind and the waves, and he saw it best for them to go through that storm. And so he brought about the storm so that they would learn more about who he is. They would learn more about his heart, and they would learn more about his power and just think about those guys in the years to come. When the Romans were coming after them, when the Jewish religious leaders were coming after them, and their lives were, in fact, we know that all of the apostles except John died a martyr's death. And so how about them looking back when time was really getting tough and really hard? They can go back and say, I was on the boat the day he calmed the storm. This is okay. I remember the day that the weather changed instantly, this is okay. He knows what's best. I'm going to trust him until I see him. You see, this is how the trouble that we're experiencing now, in one way, can be so used of God in the lives of Christians or even in calling non-Christians to himself. 
Now notice this, and that's the next one here. For the unredeemed, God's presence brings wrath. It doesn't bring peace. It brings great terror and destruction. Um, in fact, all you have to do is go and see the world today in Genesis chapter 3. We see where it started and what came. But if we look at Romans chapter 1 in verse 24, 26, and 28, three times it says, and God gave them up to, their, to, to these things. God gave them over to their sin. God gave them over to their lust. God gave them over to a destruction that would come. And so we see that we, we don't desire his destruction. What we desire is his peace. Well, how do we have his peace? We begin with his word and we pursue his presence. It's through pursuing his presence. In God's presence, there is peace. Um, notice the third one here. So not only, number one, by his words, we have the presence of God. Number two, by the presence of God, we have the peace of God. But look at number three. God's presence and peace are one by his power. That's where it comes from. It's an awesome power that brings peace. Look at the top of the page. Look at what it says there. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Now in the world you will have tribulation. But look at the end of this. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That word overcome is a big word. That word overcome has to do with vanquishing a foe. That is conquering a foe. That's more powerful than the problem. And so that's, that's what we need. If God is going to give us a peace that goes beyond what a Roman can do to you or what a Jewish Pharisee can do to you or what coronavirus can do to you or even what physical death can do to you, if God is going to overcome that, it's going to be by his power. So notice that underneath number the third one it says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is why the meaning of Easter or the resurrection is so enormous. This is the meaning of Easter and the resurrection. It's, it's the fact that God has power over all things, over sin and over death and over Satan and over his minions and over the, even the biology that seems to attack us, that all of that is won by his victorious power. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, 57, and 58. Look what it says. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. I love this. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable. You see, the victory is in the power of Christ. The victory is shown to us in the power of the resurrection. And so it's a big deal that God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus was the sacrifice for our sin. He goes to the cross for our sin. And he takes the wrath of, of God that I deserve upon himself in the cross. And he takes that all into his body and into all of who he is. And he takes it all the way to death. And then God raises him from the dead and says, 
I have the power to forgive sin. Um, those were the immediate words in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He, he, he begins showing them that he has the power to forgive sin. In fact, I, I love it. He comes in Capernaum, and he's there. And uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they gather around. He's teaching in a crowd. A lame man is, laid, is brought down into the center of the house. And he's, he's been lame. Everybody knows he's lame. They see it. And the the man's friends are wanting him to be healed. And with the Pharisees looking on, Jesus says, I forgive your sins. And the Pharisees just go nuts. They say, who is this to forgive sins? And he goes, what do you find more amazing? That I can forgive sins or that I would raise him up? And then Jesus says, get up and walk and go home. And the, the Bible tells us that the man leapt up. You know, the, some of these movies that do uh, the life of Christ, they'll, they'll show the guy, the, you know, the guy's laying there, he's sitting there, and very often they will, they will kind of do this. You know, the man, is, the man is trying to quietly get up, and, he, and he, he's trying to find his feet and everything. That is not what the Scripture says. The Bible says that the man leapt up immediately. There, there's, no, there's no hesitation here. I mean, if you see that when Jesus um, healed Peter's mother-in-law, do you know what happened? He walks in there and he, he removes the fever from, she had a fever as unto death. She was dying. And Jesus comes and he heals her. Do you know, what, the, what does anybody remember? What does it say? Say it real loud. She got up and started cooking for everybody in the house. She immediately, immediately got up and she started saying, hey, do you want pomegranate? Do you, uh, you want some grapes? Hey, who, who you, uh, TJ, let me go, go get some bread. You know, immediately, she goes right back to being mother-in-law. No hesitation, and everybody is just amazed. So when God says, I can forgive your sin, and I can take you to heaven when you die, um, he's proven that over and over again from calming the wind and the waves to seeing a lame man rise, to seeing a dead man come out of a tomb. And Jesus is saying, I just want you to trust me. I just want you to believe in me. Um, this is amazing. So number one, by the words of God, we have the presence of God. Number two, by the presence of God, we have the peace of God. And number three, God's presence and his peace are one by what? His power. And his power is unlimited. God could, God could think the thought and coronavirus be removed from all creation right now. But God is working through coronavirus. And the question is, is he working in your heart through coronavirus? Is, is he having the victory in your heart with this. He wants us to trust him. He wants to refine our faith. He wants to use this to draw people to himself. He wants to use you to draw others to an understanding that that's what he's doing. So that's why we, we share the hope that is within us. We're, ready to be, we're to be ready in season and out of season to give an account for the hope that is within us. We must not be silent about this. 
When people are afraid, we need to say, you know, um, there's a God who is working through this and he's calling people to realize. It's a warning. He's saying, come and be warned. Isn't, you know, that, that's a message that at first people don't understand, but as you begin to say to them that God is calling people to himself through this, if, if God is working in their heart, they're going to begin to respond to that. May we be diligent to say it. Okay, Sheridan Hills, so how do we apply this? How do we apply this in our lives? Um, taking steps toward God's peace. If you want God's peace, here's some steps that you can take. Number one, pursue and believe his words. Because his words will bring his presence. If you and I will pursue his word. Now the word pursue, I mean, I, think about this. When, when the cops are chasing a robber, um, have you guys ever seen that kind of? You've seen it on television before? I'm not talking about just the, I'm talking about, you know, we hear helicopters around. Sometimes the police are chasing someone. They're not doing that in a lackadaisical way. They're going for it with everything they've got. They've got their foot down on the floor and that car is revving up and, and they're pursuing this. The question is, are we pursuing God's word? Um, we need to pursue God's word and believe his word. We need to know his words. That, that's what's right underneath number one. Repent and believe in him. That's how his words um, come into our life, is that we turn from our words and we turn from our ways and we turn to his words. Um, notice these words that are here. And just kind of read it out loud. These, this, these words that are here start with read. Um, let's read it out loud. Read, listen, study, meditate, memorize. You're locked home. You're locked down. You got plenty of time to do this. Just start reading the Bible. Don't listen to the fanatics on television that are filled with fear. You know, I turned on the television uh, two days ago to catch a little bit of news. I'd been at the church all day, and I turned it on, and it was as if a week had gone by, and and they were saying the exact same things. So with the coronavirus, it can be uh, caught by touch, and it can be caught, and they're like, of course, that's what everybody's been saying forever. I mean, you know, there's, you're just gonna hear the same stuff over and over and over again. It may be good to turn on the TV 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day, or the news. Other than that, it's just gonna make you afraid. If you keep letting that program your thinking instead of God's word, I'm telling you, it's, there's just not going to be a ton there that's real helpful at this point. Um, I want to encourage you to spend much more time in God's Word instead of hearing yet another angle and another angle and another angle of how bad things are, or how this or how that. I mean, I, I just want to encourage you to be careful to let God's Word speak more than the world. Number two, this is a key one all through Scripture, and this is, this is very important for God and his people. He calls us to wait on him. The second one, if you want his peace, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Here's that word again, pursue his presence. Pursue his presence. Listen to a few of these verses. In Psalm 27, verse 14, it says, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Psalm 31, verse 24 says, be strong, 
Let your heart take courage. See, this is like the words of Jesus. He says, but have faith. I've overcome the world. Here it's saying, be strong. Let your heart take courage. All who you hope in the Lord. How about Psalm 40, verse 1? Psalm 40 is glorious. Listen to what it says. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. I just want to say, church, we got to wait on God. And you say, well, what does that look like? I can tell you what it looks like for me. A lot of times it's really having a, a time set aside to be with God, going in my bedroom or going into an area of my office at the church where I close the door and I get alone with God. A lot of times I'll get down on the floor and just be laid out before the Lord, listening to him and say, Lord, speak to me. A lot of the times I'll have my Bible open, lay it on the floor and just be reading the word and saying, Lord, speak, speak to me. And that's part of what it means to wait on the Lord. And it may be in a devotional time like that, or, you know, I may have to wait on the Lord for, um, for some issue in our lives. Just, just that means constantly praying about it instead of worrying about it. Um, I want to encourage you to learn to wait on the Lord. The last one is stay with his people. Stay with his people, the church. Um, if you want God's peace, you need to have God's people involved in your life. Now, a lot of people say, what are you talking about? I've been involved in a church before. There wasn't a lot of peace there. Well, that may be an unhealthy church. But I can tell you the aggregate value of God's people being together um, in a people who are pursuing God, who are really God's people, it's going to bring peace in your life. Um, it's that you're not facing life alone, that your faith is not trying to be lived out alone, but your faith is being encouraged by one another. Um, and this is a big deal for us right now. Um, you need God's people in your life. Um, notice Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, let us not neglect meeting together. You say, well, wait a minute. What about the CDC telling us we can't meet together? Well, there's other ways to meet like we're doing right now. But in the big picture, this isn't going to be forever, um, but there's other ways that we can be together, be together. Look what it says. Let us not neglect meeting together. Let us encourage one another. And then look at this. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, you can write out there to the side Matthew 24. Yep, Matthew 24 is a pretty, pretty... Uh, stark picture of the way things are going to get before Jesus returns, before that day or the day of the Lord. Um, there's going to be things like coronavirus on a bigger and broader scale. You say bigger and broader than coronavirus? Oh yeah, this is nothing. You read Matthew, 20, Matthew 24 and you read some other things, you realize, oh, it's going to get a whole lot worse than that. Well, God's people are going to stay dialed in on him in that time. And so I just, wanted, I just want to tell you that Jesus was saying, look, disciples, it's about to get bad. You don't realize what's about to happen, but in the next few hours, they're going to come get me, and I'm going to go away, and they're going to come after you, but I'm going to be with you. 
and I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to keep you. And I'm going to do that through my Holy Spirit. I'm going to take care of you, and I will see, see you safely home to be with me. So, friends, this is the message of the gospel that we've got to hold on to. Um, you want peace in the coming weeks? I just want to encourage you, stay in the Word of God and stay before the Lord. Let God's Word get into your mind and heart and come bring yourself before God um, and then stay connected to His people. Encourage His people. Share with His people. Let God work through His people in your life. Um, some of you are watching, maybe you've never come to faith in Christ. This would be a great time for you to do that. Um, we come to faith by simply coming and recognizing that we need God because we're sinners. We're recognizing that he paid the price on the cross of Calvary for our sin. He took all of our sin and death, all of our condemnation to the grave, and then he overcame it by his power. And he says, all who believe in me and in me alone, you can have eternal life. Um, I want to encourage you to give your heart to Christ if you've never done that. For Christians, I want to encourage you to believe the truth you've heard and believe the truth you've accepted and uh, grow in it. Let your faith be refined in these days. We're going to seek to do that as a church. So let's pray together. Um, I want to lead us in a prayer asking God to do this in our hearts. Father, this morning we do desire for you to work in us the work of your power. Father, I pray that we would be a people who run to your word, that we come to know your word, that we believe in your word, and that, Lord, that we pursue you through your word. Father, I pray that you would help us to come on your terms. I pray that you would help us to come, Lord, in your heart, in your attitude, in all things. Father, I pray that you would come and that you would give us the peace that surpasses all human comprehension. That, Lord, that we would trust in you, even when things look dark, even when things seem to be going from bad to worse. Lord, that we would be a people that say, he warned us that there'd be trouble, and he promised that he would see us through as we keep our eyes on him. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for calming the wind and the waves of Galilee. Lord, thank you for causing the lame man to leap to his feet. Lord, thank you for causing Lazarus to come forth from the grave. And Father, we thank you that you are continuing to do glorious works of redemption in people all around the world, that you are saving people for every day that you tarry, more come to faith in Jesus. Lord, help us to have our eyes on your kingdom and help us to enjoy, Lord, the promises that you have made to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Lucas, lead us.
have been um, some days where we've been experiencing God's grace in the midst of all this, um, and I, I uh, know that many of you have been kind of watching Instagram or watching Facebook, or you've seen some of the emails that have come out of the life of the church. Um, there have been some great things that God's been doing. Wednesday night was a blast. Wednesday night was a fun time uh, where we gathered around the book, uh, the little tiny book of Habakkuk. And we just looked at three simple verses, and it was in the end of those verses where it talks about the fact that God comes and he makes our feet to be like hind's feet. What does that mean? Like deer's feet, like the feet of a doe um, on a mountain peak. Uh, I came across randomly a video from BBC that shows these, these uh, ibex uh, uh, they're like deer or goats, they're mountain goats, and they're climbing on the back of a dam. And um, it just was such a vivid picture of God's provision for us um, based upon Habakkuk 3.19. You need to go read Habakkuk 3.19 and then may go, maybe go watch the video and you'll see exactly what I mean. But God vividly, beautifully is preparing us and giving us the strength to go through great difficulty, to even be in dangerous places as we trust in him. Um, but uh, a lot of people uh, clicked on that message and saw that message in Hebrews, uh, or excuse me, in Habakkuk from Wednesday night. If you haven't picked up some of our other uh, uh, services, I want to encourage you to do that. Other things, Pastor Lucas, you were talking about something, things that God has been doing. Right. Um... So we are trying to figure out a lot of these online interactions, and I'm just so encouraged because 
uh, both my community group and my growth group have just been so tri thriving online. We had the largest growth group we've ever had last Sunday as we considered uh, a few verses out of Romans 8. Uh, my community group is communicating beautifully. And uh, so I'm just really encouraged that people are noticing the times, adjusting, adapting, because we know we need the church, as you pointed out in the sermon, we know we, we need the church to be close and to be around us. So we're checking on each other. We're praying for one another. So it's been, it's been really encouraging. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, we've, we've gotten a lot of messages through the week, and sometimes we're picking it up either by text or by other things. I mean, I, even just this idea of people not wanting to waste the time. I mentioned that Wednesday night. Uh, Victor Carrera said, coronavirus is not going to be wasted in the Carrera household. We're, we are going to read books. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to play games. We're going to have fun. We're going to reach out to our neighbors, you know, and uh, if any of you know Victor, you know that he's always understated in most things. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really, really exciting to hear that. Other things, uh, I think Christy or Anna or somebody else, uh, Christy, you mentioned some things. Uh, I just, when Tommy had asked me to think about some um, things to celebrate that I've seen God doing, um, I thought of two things. Um, just the time, and you mentioned that with the careers that we're able to spend with family, that it's forced a lot of people to slow down in a lot of ways that I think have been good for a yeah. while. And the second one, I just have to say, I've spent the week um, not here at the school, but working on things for school online. And um, just the spirit of unity Christ has given the teachers and upper school, lower school, preschool, across the board to just pull together an online learning experience in one week. Yeah. Um, and just the love they have for the Lord and the love they have for the kids has been so encouraging. Because you can't get that much done um, unless you're unified. Yeah, in that amount right, of time. Right. So that's a huge praise. And that starts tomorrow for our Sheridan Hills Christian School kids. Mm -hmm. So um, in classes all the way around this, this courtyard, uh, these buildings, uh, normally the kids obviously are here, but we have 500 kids um, associated with our school, and a bunch of them are going to be on virtual um, school starting tomorrow. So that's something that Sheridan Hills we can pray for. Um, we can be praying for... Uh, our teachers, we can be praying for the kids, we can be praying for the parents. Um, so that's a, that's a great thing. Other things, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think God has been showing us grace, especially in the high school ministry. Um, we've been having a rich time, especially with the guys, and we're starting up this week with the, the high school girls as well. But just guys that are very intellectual but also missing the social aspect of yeah. being with one another being with friends their same age group and kind of talking about things and we've kind of spent these last two weeks talking about um just great things um such as the holiness of god um atonement why our sins need to be paid for you know things in that nature and these kids you see that they're eager to learn more about the Bible, and it's an encouragement to me and Pastor Jason as well of these kids are wanting to learn more. What can we do? Let's do as much as possible that we can to continue to feed these kids the Bible Amen. Uh, during this time. They've got time, and they're spending it wisely. That's good. Anybody else? Any other, any other things? Yeah, to piggyback off of what Alex was saying uh, Wednesday night as well, the hour before the stream took place with the church, 
Uh, I linked up with the middle school students, and Alex linked up with the high school students, and we had a great turnout there as well. Many of the students that were online um, are students that, that normally wouldn't be there on Wednesday night. So it was a great time to really just study God's Word together. We studied through the book of Ephesians. We're just continuing our study that we've been doing on Wednesday nights, and it's been a tremendous encouragement uh, to all of us. Awesome. Um, we have a, a few things that we just want to draw to your attention as, as a church. One of those things is there is a resource page on the website that is going to be growing daily. Um, so I want to encourage you, if you haven't checked out the resource page, do that. There's everything imaginable that have to do with uh, uh, teaching children uh, to trust God in the midst of these things, uh, help for your own heart. Um, in these things. Great websites from some of the great uh, just uh, authors and leaders in our present day and time. So I want to encourage you with that. Um, as well, a lot of folks have asked, what about Easter? What's going to happen with Easter? Um, you know, there, there's been talk of maybe things would be opening up a little bit. Personally, I don't think things are going to open up um, very much by Easter. Um, maybe they will. I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Um, I think over the next few weeks, uh, things may become a little bit more difficult, um, which is part of the reason it's so good for us to be looking at God's Word. Um, but uh, we're just waiting to see what happens. Um, if everything else is opening up, you know, we'll in some way, shape, or form try to have a, a service that makes sense in that way. What I can guarantee you is that we'll be online. We will have a service online either way. Um, so I uh, want to encourage you to be prayer for that. Um, Easter is a time when people uh, tend to be more sensitive to that, and I think that this is a tremendous opportunity. We ought to be praying that God would use this and coming up with some ways for us to drive people even to come and visit us online and uh, watch our service. So um, that's, that's one issue for us. Another thing is I've been, we've been so blessed. Tell everybody what happened last Sunday afternoon after the broadcast. You guys were here on property, and what happened? Right, so Sunday afternoon, uh, we were outside, actually, and I saw someone drive up, and someone came up to, to bring their offering to the church. And so uh, I walked them over to, to put the offering where they needed to put it, and then also, while we were walking back, another person came up to bring an offering uh, to here to the church. So it was a, a great uh, encouragement to me to see people still want to be connected and still wanting to give and and uh, follow through with that act of worship. Yeah, being faithful and that, and that act of worship. So in light of that, if uh, there, there's going to be a couple of people here uh, this afternoon, uh, if they're going to just be hanging out in front of the ministry center, if you want to stop by and uh, give them the offering that that you, we don't want you to come in very much contact with them. Uh, obviously, it's fine to say hello and that kind of thing, but they're going to have a bin that you can drop it in, and they'll they'll properly take care of that. Um, but there's other ways you can give. You can give online. Uh, you can give and mail in your uh, your tithe and offering um, by mail. And um, Tommy, I think you said that our our mailbox in front of the church is a secure mailbox. Is that right? Is that that's correct, yeah. It's um, secure, so you can go ahead and drop that in. The only keys to it um, are in the church, and so um, so you can do that as well if you want to drive by anytime um, and, and, or mail in your, uh, your envelope. Great. Um, 
you also said we need to encourage people to subscribe to YouTube, right? Correct, yeah. We do have a YouTube channel, um, so go ahead and ring that bell. Uh, subscribe um, to the channel. You'll get um, notifications when a video is posted by us. Um, also, you can go to our, um, our Google page as well and, um, and see us there. And um, just a lot of ways of how we're getting um, just kind of more online. I know Robin has been working on um, just um, updating our, our, our social media um, through um, Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, go ahead and share things around to your friends and family. And uh, we really encourage you to do that. Um, just we're just trying to stay connected every way possible. So just encouraged to see how many people are um, doing that. And just through my phone calls um, throughout this week, just checking on people, just hearing um, just, you know, some of the things that people are doing, just calling and, and, and sharing the gospel with um, their coworkers or people that just call up like roofers or things they're trying to get done around the house. So I really encourage you to do that. If you haven't heard anybody, um, just pick up the phone and call. You know, it's amazing. I've, so many people are answering phone calls now. Yeah. Um, and um, which is just wonderful. And so I just I, if you haven't heard from someone lately, just call them and just say, hey, you know, you know, what's what have you been going on? How you been doing this? And um, it's just amazing to hear and just pray with them over the phone. And right. um, and just you don't have to go to their house. But I think just those words of encouragement has just been um, just awesome to see and just how people are doing that through just all the phone calls I've been making and hearing and just also from you know, the pastors here reaching out. So I just encourage you to do that and, um, and do that often and, and frequently. Amen. Amen. Maybe you have a need in, in your household. Maybe, maybe you're alone and uh, you're, in the coming weeks you're, you're struggling with something or you uh, don't have groceries that you need or, or something like that. Our church is here to help. We have people that are saying, I will go shop. Um, or I can help with this or with that. And uh, if you will just send a message to info at SheridanHills.org, um, we'll do that. So that's just the simple word info, I-N-F-O, at SheridanHills.org. And uh, we'll, we'll seek to meet whatever need you have as best we can as a church family. Um, we uh, are going to keep our eyes on the Lord during this time. We're going to look for ways in which to uh, share His great grace and love with people that are around us. And uh, I just want to encourage you to, uh, to pray with your family, to spend time in the Word of God with your family. Don't miss out on those opportunities. Your community group, that's a key thing for you to do. I think that we ought to be reaching out to our community groups nearly daily. Um, I know that there's messages always in our chat for our community group. I want to encourage you to uh, be pursuing that. And especially with those who maybe you've never heard from in your community group, I want to encourage you to go stop by, knock on their door, step back and say, hi, I'm from Sheridan Hills. That's a great thing to do. Well, Sheridan Hills, we love you and uh, we long to be together again. Um, I hope that none of us are ever the same after we get out of coronavirus concerning our church involvement. Maybe some uh, of you are going to say, I'm never missing again because I know I need uh, to be with God's people. So uh, we long for that, but God bless you, and we hope that you have a great week. We will see you Wednesday night.